Welcome to an audio stream from San Marino Community Church, featuring sermons drawn from our pastoral staff and various guest preachers. series that we started last week, a series that we are calling Overcoming Giants. We recognize that in our lives, we face some big challenges at times. Giants of depression or of anxiety, giants that come with health diagnoses or with broken relationships, giant fears that at times can make us question if all that we have believed and if all whom we have become has been for nothing. We face big giants in our worlds, and sometimes we can feel helpless to know how to confront those giants in our lives. Sometimes we fear that those giants will overcome us. But Scripture and the Spirit assure us time and time again that when we are faced with these giants, we don't need huge boulders, we don't need violent weapons, we don't need anything except the small, quiet practices of a faithful life. So last week we were talking about prayer. This week we are talking about storytelling. Over the next few weeks you will hear about how God regularly uses the little, small practices of our faith to overcome some of the most extraordinary challenges that we face as humanity. Today, we're looking in the book of Ruth. And if you're new to the Bible or if you're new to church, the book of Ruth is in the Hebrew Bible, which some call the Old Testament. It's a story about two women mainly, one named Naomi and the other called Ruth. It's Naomi is her mother-in-law, Ruth is the daughter-in-law, and believe it or not, they really love each other. So we're going to hear about the beginning of their story today, Looking in at verse 15, this is when they first start out on an extraordinary journey that does bring them both new life, but it doesn't look at the beginning like it's going to start that way. So we're looking at Ruth chapter 1, verse 15. So Naomi said to Ruth, see, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Do not press me to leave you or turn back from following you. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God my God. Where you die, I will die. There will I be buried. May the Lord do thus and so to me and more as well if even death parts me from you. When Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, She said no more to her. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. We come here today, God, seeking your truth and your voice. There are so many competing voices for our attention, so many competing stories that we are tempted to fit our lives into, and yet, here you are with this story that promises us life, 
That's the story we want to hear today. That is what we want to be a part of. Speak to us in words we can hear and transform our hearts that we might reflect your good news. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. What is the most magnificent, the most inspiring, the most memorable true story that has ever captured your imagination? Maybe you still remember how you felt the first time that you watched those black and white images of Buzz and Neil first landing on the moon. Or maybe you wonder about the immense courage that Harriet Tubman had as she returned time and time again to free American slaves. Or maybe you're someone who scours Netflix even today for documentaries that highlight stories of resilience in the human spirit, stories about people like Dolly Parton or Quincy Jones, or stories about a cheerleading squad that started in a retirement home in Arizona, or the camp that provided priceless community to kids who live with disabilities. What story has always captured your attention? Humanity has always treasured stories that are inspiring, that are amazing, maybe that are almost unbelievable. The Bible itself is evidence of that. Moses parting the Red Sea, David succeeding over Goliath, Elijah escaping death forever. We hold tightly to these narratives because they spark hope in our souls. They promise us that maybe we too can be part of something that is inspiring, if not miraculous. I don't know about you, but I love these miraculous and inspiring stories. But I have to admit that the narratives in my life that hold the most meaning don't tend to be those ones. The stories in my life that hold the most meaning and the most inspiration tend to be stories about everyday imperfect people. It makes me think most often about stories about my ancestors or about my family. I remember the first time that my grandmother told me about her wedding to my grandfather, which was the largest wedding, the largest church wedding their small rural town had ever seen. She was so proud. I remember when I learned that my grandfather, who came to own and run a farm his whole life until he retired, I learned one day that he never had more than an eighth grade education. I treasure the stories that I witnessed myself of my parents, public school teachers for 40 years, who would leave for work early so that they could pick up students who wouldn't make it to school if they didn't. Stories don't have to be miraculous in order to be meaningful. Sometimes the most powerful stories are stories of everyday people choosing to live out a quiet conviction that would never capture our attention in a movie screenplay. The Bible treasures these quiet kinds of stories as well. 
It's full of these matter-of-fact recollections of how the argument was won or about their complaints over manna and quail being served for dinner yet again, or of recollections from generation after generation, stories about one law after the other. In fact, when you compare the mundane parts of the Bible with the miraculous parts, it turns out that very little of the Bible is documentation of something that we would consider to be extraordinary. Mostly, it's stories about people who traveled from here to there, about people who made promises and sometimes broke them, about people who oscillated between joy and sorrow, between hope and despair, between peace and anger with a predictable emotional regularity. Eugene Peterson points out that this kind of everyday storytelling that we find in the Hebrew Bible is very different from other ancient storytellers of that time. Because you see, other ancient nations would write down dates of when their kings reigned or the dates that they won the battle, but they wouldn't write narratives. They didn't craft stories about their priorities or their values or their joys or their identity. When other nations wrote about their gods, they wrote about myths and legends sharing a hearsay gossip about a fickle God that exists somewhere in the distance. They had no concept of documenting a relationship or a story between the divine and humanity. But you see, the Hebrews did. And that's how the Hebrew Bible became one of the first historical documents that existed in the ancient world. Not because the Hebrews believed that they had to record every last minute of their movements for human posterity, but because they were convinced that God was always working among them. That God was always right where they were each and every day, and that belief made absolutely everything meaningful. The Hebrews believed that all they did, whether it was in faith or disbelief, whether it was in sin or in righteousness, whether it was in obedience or rebellion, they believed that all they did had significance because they knew that God was with them always. So our story from the book of Ruth today, it's one of these mundane everyday kind of stories. There's no pillar of smoke or fire. There's no miraculous coincidence or healing. There is no intervening angel to tell them not to be afraid. If only there was. Instead, there are just two widows trying to figure out what to do now that they are alone in the world. But these two widows tell two very different stories about their lives, and they tell two very different stories about who God is. It all starts with Naomi. 
Naomi is an Israelite. She had been living in the nation of Moab with her husband and sons so that they could escape the famine that was happening in Judah. But one day her husband died, and then her, one of her sons died, and then the other. And Naomi was eventually left with nothing. She had no property, no resources, no rights. And so she goes to return home to Judah, where hopefully she can find a family member who will take care of her. Her daughters-in-law want to go too, but Naomi won't allow it. She knew deep in her soul how stories like hers went. She was an old widow and she had no options. She knew that there was nothing good ahead of her and she refused to allow her daughters-in-law to volunteer their lives in order to share her misery. And so she sends them away. And she sends them away with a very convincing story, telling them over and over again, right before our passage today, turn back, my daughters, why will you go with me? Turn back, my daughters, go your way, for I am too old. It has been far more bitter for me than for you, because the hand of the Lord has turned against me. Naomi knew in her bones that she had come to the end of her story, and no one was going to convince her otherwise. There was nothing more to tell about her life, let alone God's work in her life. It was over. And so one of the daughters-in-law relents. She returns home. Naomi's anger and passion, it sounded pretty convincing, maybe even a little scary. But Ruth? Ruth didn't buy it. In our scripture passage for this morning, we see Naomi round on Ruth again. She says, look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and her gods return after her. But Ruth won't accept Naomi's story. She wasn't going to allow Naomi to write her story for her. In fact, what we see is Ruth's story isn't up for any debate or any negotiation with Naomi at all. She says, don't press me to leave you. Where you go, I will go. Your people shall be my people, your God my God. May the Lord do thus to me and more as well if even death parts me from you. Ruth's conviction couldn't be any more different than Naomi's. The circumstances in Naomi's life that had convinced her that God had abandoned her, and it was very difficult for Naomi to see beyond her own misery. Just before this, she had insisted to her daughters-in-law that life was more bitter for her than it was for them as though her daughters-in-law hadn't lost their husbands too, as though they hadn't lost their security and their livelihoods as well. Naomi was lost in her despair, maybe because she was committed to her despair, to the point that she could convince one of the two people who loved her most in the world to leave her. 
Naomi's narrative for her life was really powerful. But Ruth's story was powerful too. Ruth refused to let Naomi's despair influence her. She had her own story to tell, a story that valued companionship in difficult times, a story of a God who remained with people when they were facing confusion and pain, a story where an unknown future would certainly hold much more for them than just ongoing sorrow and bitterness. Stories don't have to be miraculous in order to be meaningful. Sometimes the most powerful stories are the stories of everyday people choosing to live out a quiet conviction that would never make it as a screenplay. Friends, Ruth was right. And it was her willingness to stick with Naomi that brought them into a new future, that brought them new relationships, new security, new hope. Naomi's story was wrong. And it makes me wonder, what is the narrative that you and I are telling about our lives? And what narratives are you and I perpetuating in the world? Truthfully, there are no shortage of stories about the value of natural creation, about the value of our lives, about the value of us living our life together as a society. But the stories that we choose to commit to can be the difference between life and death. I have a great example for us. This week, we had four different full-grown adults make the same decisions because they all believed the same story. This past week, four full-grown adults in different states saw strangers on their doorstep or in their driveway or at their car, and they followed the narrative they had in their brain that these strangers were going to put their own lives in danger, which led each of these adults to shoot, each time either wounding or killing a kid, none of them older than the age of 20. The stories we tell ourselves about us and about one another can be the difference between life and death. So are we people who live in a world where we alone are responsible for our own security, or are we people who live alongside an almighty God who is with us in every circumstance? Are we people who see our lives and the lives of others as valuable and significant precisely because we know that God is walking with each and every one of us? Or do we believe that one life is inherently more valuable than the other? Like Ruth, are we willing to hold on to God's narrative for us even when the circumstances we find ourselves in <clears throat> are confusing or desperate or dangerous? Or do we too easily abandon God's story for more tempting stories of bitterness and fear and despair? 
Friends, I really believe this deep in my bones. I believe that God wants the most magnificent, the most inspiring story that we have ever heard to be our own. But we get a choice as to how we are going to tell the story of our lives. We can look at this story of Naomi and Ruth and we could say that it's just a little ditty about two widows walking through the countryside. Or we could say that this is a story of how God journeys with people when they are desperate and brings them into a new life. We could look at the story of Jesus and say it's a story about an itinerant carpenter who also had a knack for being able to heal people. Or we can tell the story that we follow the man who conquers death. Friends, a story doesn't have to be miraculous in order to be meaningful. But I promise that the most miraculous story of your life is intended to be yours. How are we going to tell it? And how do the, we want to tell the world about their story too? Amen. You have been listening to a production of San Marino Community Church. Find our worship services on YouTube or subscribe to our podcast on Spotify.